The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. I can picture it now. Thousands of years ago, Qin Shi Hong, the first emperor of China, standing before hordes of his followers in the Qin Dynasty. Bright red bamboo hat on, chanting, build that wall. It took centuries to build that thing, but it got built. And it has been carefully maintained over the last 2,000 years. But today, the Great Wall of China is so massive that astronauts can see it in good weather conditions from space. The wall boasts over 3,000 miles of towers and brick embankments. Over 1,200 miles of natural defensive barriers. Slaves buried within the wall. It's also worth mentioning that the Chinese government is also exceptionally good at imposing digital walls. So much so that China ranks the worst in the world for internet freedom. Because they need a wall between free press, free dialogue, and their people. So it's a little strange to be lectured by an editorial uh, run by a major Chinese network in, in China, criticizing us and President Trump for his proposal to build a large wall along the southern border of America. Quote, following the path of expanding and opening up its, is China, its best response to the trade dispute between China and the United States. It is also the responsibility that major countries should have to the world the wise man builds bridges the fools build walls Uh uh-huh and the pope also in 2016 said a person who thinks only about building walls wherever they may be and not building bridges is not christian this is not the gospel well i've been to the vatican your papacy highness and uh, you're surrounded by an enormous wall i don't know if you noticed that Same goes for all the celebrities who live in heavily walled compounds. It's a safety measure. But you know what's strange is all of those people keep criticizing the plan to build a wall. Do you know the old adage, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones? Yeah. Yeah, perhaps the stone thing... Um, might be revamped just a little bit. Don't throw stones at people who want to build walls when you live surrounded by walls. It's Tuesday, June 19th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. There are three things that we have to talk about when it comes to the border. We need to first address the emotional issue of it. If we don't address the emotional issue, then we will continue to do what we always do, and that is lose the argument. Because what's happening on the border is deeply emotional and deeply disturbing. It has been when I was there in 2014 It was deeply emotional and disturbing. I begged the media to pay attention. They didn't. I want to play some audio. Do we have the audio, Stu, uh, yet of the the children 
crying behind the wall. We need to play the we need to play this audio um, because it's interesting what they are saying. Of course, everybody's playing this very, very emotional audio of the kids crying. One looking for his dad, the other looking for his aunt. But if you listen to what the kid is saying, who is looking for his aunt, he says, mom and dad said that when you got here, you just tell them the name of your aunt and she will come and pick you up. Hmm. That's interesting. See, when I went down to the wall in 2014, we saw things I'd never forget. We talked about how this is a very emotional issue, and we have to take care of these kids. We have to treat them with respect. We have to see them as kids who are being used. They're being used by uh, politicians. They're used, being used now for props for the media. But they're also being used, some of them, by drug lords. Their families are being destroyed by drug lords. At a time when you could come across the border and say anything under Obama, why is it that they were still using, not the bridge, but when we were there, they were still using the river? Why were they coming across that way when you could use the bridge and just say whatever it was Obama said you had to say and you could get in? Because the drug lords were playing on these families. They were they were um, they were prey. Ready for the wolves to come and eat them at night. Many of them would come either without their parents or one of their parents would be left behind to do work for the drug lord. And then when their family got into a position, they would be asked to help them on a few projects here in America. They roped them in to a life of crime. So these kids and these families have been used and abused. And they are being used and abused again by the media. The only way, the only reason why I say this is because it's true. Because we were there when it was their president who was in the Oval Office and they didn't care. Now, some of us care. Some of us cared then and we care now. Some unfortunately don't. But the worst are the ones who only care when it furthers their political agenda. It's truly outrageous. Truly, truly dark and sinister. You know, it was almost impossible to get people to go to McAllen, Texas. When I went to McAllen, Texas in 2014, 2015, it was almost impossible to get anybody to go. Nobody in the media had any interest at all. We begged, we called, we said, hey, would, would anybody like to cover this? This is a pretty big deal. Here it is, all the people that you say are haters going down and helping the kids that you have just abandoned. And once we got there and found out what was going on, we then reached out again and said... 
these kids are being separated, not just from their parents, but they're being separated by age. So if they come as brother and sister and one is nine, one is seven, they're no longer in the same cage. McAllen was just too far away. It was too remote. It was just too difficult. And they had absolutely no interest. So please, to the media, save your outrage. And to the listener and the average American, do not get wound up by the media. They are playing into your addiction for outrage. People want to be outraged by something. Don't do it. This is not outrageous. The only thing that is outrageous here is how they are using these children. This virtue signaling is sick. It's psychopathic. So the first thing we have to talk about is the emotional issue. And that is that families are being broken up. Now, the other side of that is we don't know if all of these parents are parents of the kids. We have to have a system that somehow or another tells us that. Oh, we do have a system. It's a system of passports. If you don't want to use the system of passports, well, then we have to take your word that that child is yours. Would you feel comfortable with our country just saying to you, a citizen, as you were crossing a border, oh, yeah, this is this is my kid. As you were flying to another country, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is my kid. Don't worry about it. Would you be comfortable how many of our children could be kidnapped and taken across the border, never, ever to be seen again if we didn't have a system of passports and identification that we insist on to protect our children? Why are we not doing this for these children? Why do we just think that we should take somebody's word What are all of these children? There's no bad guys coming across the border that are just using, taking children, selling them, trafficking in them. Nobody is doing that. All of these children belong to the parents because those that dad or that mom or that mom and dad. Of course, we can't question them. I remember the whole household of white monsters that were living in California, who were abusing their children in the basement. You see, this isn't a Hispanic thing. This is a human thing. Even the parents can be bad. But let's have a system to where we know at least those kids do belong to the parents. But no, no, no. The media doesn't want that. The left doesn't want that. It's a free-for-all. Well, then don't cry when there is chaos. Don't cry when children are hurt. 
at least don't cry to me. There are some of us who would actually like to fix this abomination. Some of us who have cared about these children for years. So they're separated by their parents. What about the 270 that are coming across the border now without parents? What about those kids? What about the kids who have good parents? And because we have said we don't care about the borders. They just put their kids on top of a death train. And they send their kids here to America completely alone. No, that sounds no, that sounds safe. That sounds totally safe. That sounds like the right thing to do. It sounds like the right thing to do. Not the parents. I understand the parents. If my kids were trapped in poverty, trapped in ignorance, had no chance of getting out of a class system, no chance to work their way out, I would do everything I could to get my kids to America. If America said they didn't care, I would get my kids. I would do everything I could. I would want my kids with me. But I'm not in their situation. And neither are you. So because we have been saying we don't really care about our borders and we make it porous, we make it easy for drug cartels to use these people. Because we don't care about the colonias. How long is it going to be before they start talking about the colonias? Will they ever? Now that Gail King has found a plane ticket and a satellite truck down to McAllen, do you think she'll even find the colonias? Nope. Do you think she even knows about them? Nope. Do you know about them? It's slavery on this side of the border. Slavery. So there's the emotional part. The second thing to do is to not uh, feed into their outrage. Find the healthy outrage that you need to actually fix the problem, to look at the problem and fix it. So how do we do that? We'll talk about that next. So the big thing that I really want to talk to you about that nobody is, uh, is the, the trade uh, tariffs. It's a nightmare, especially with what's happening with the Fed, what's happening with China, what's happening with the global economy, and our exploding debt. It all works together. And uh, now we are looking at, what is it, another... F- total of five hundred billion dollars in a in a tariff. Yeah, it's another couple hundred billion plus the retaliation that's expected will get us near 
500 billion. Which would be almost all of the trade. Would it not? Well, yeah. I yeah, mean, okay. it's, uh, it's a big, it's a big so chunk it's, of it. And then it will start, I mean, the only way to get there is to start really hammering consumer goods. So, you yeah, know, this, this is a tax. This is a tax. Mm-hmm. This is a $500 billion tax increase on you. That's what it is. And it doesn't work. And it's really bad. And if we don't turn around quickly, it's going to crush our economy. So now what do you do? Well, I would suggest you look into cryptocurrencies. Now, cryptos are getting a beating right now. This week, we're going to have uh, Tika Tawari on with us. That's a good week for that uh, because uh, I think, you know, you get to a point where you're a little, you get a little freaked out about it. People are wondering whether mm-hmm. it's going to pop back up. I mean, it's still up, you know, what, six, seven hundred percent since we started talking about well, it. Well, I talked to Tika and he said, whatever you do, do not pull it out. And he had a really good explanation on that. And I asked him to come on the show. Anyway, he's a guy who has taught us about cryptos and uh, and put together a smart crypto course at smartcryptocourse.com. This teaches you what blockchain is teaches you why cryptocurrencies are the future um, and uh, and helps you understand how to invest, why to invest, why not to. It's smartcryptocourse.com or you can call 877-PBL-BECK. That's 877-PBL-BECK. Smartcryptocourse.com. All right. So there's a couple of things that we can do. Um if we're talking about the border, we can immediately uh, give the parents a choice. Go back home and you can have your kids um, that that we can implement today. Go back home and we can send you home with your kids. Now, some of them are crying for amnesty. Some of those are real. Some of those are not. I'm sure um, Ted Cruz has uh, announced a plan, and I think it is a plan that actually works. Yeah, he's saying double the number of federal immigration judges uh, from 375 to 750. Authorize new temporary shelter with accommodations to keep families together. Mandate that illegal immigrant families must be kept together absent aggravated criminal conduct or threat to, uh, to children. Uh, and provide for expedited processing and review of asylum cases so that within 14 days, those who meet the legal standards w- will be granted asylum and those who do not will be immediately returned to their home countries. That's, that's all that has to be done. See, the problem is, is we don't have the court system that can handle this influx. And what we do is we hand people, uh, you know, a certificate and say, hey, come back to court in, you know, six months. And they never come back. So you have to hold them. You hold them for a trial. We have a judge listen to their case. Let them stay together as a family while they're here. Treat them with respect. Treat them like human beings and send them home. That's how you do it. Now, there's nothing really to be outraged about on that, so it probably won't happen because everybody raises money. Oh, we're under attack by the Democrats. Give us money. Oh, they're hurting children. Give us money. This is just fix the problem. But how many people are interested in that? Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Probably not enough. Um, you know, it's, it, it, no one keep, seems to be putting the other side of this to uh, those who are upset about this uh, separation of children. I mean, you know, what they're arguing for is a return to the old standard, which, which is to just let everyone go, parent and child, go inside the border 
and then ask them to come back in a few months and for a hearing that they'll never show up at. That's the other opportunity unless you change the law. Back in a minute. And I'm really sorry that I missed yesterday's broadcast. Um, you had the author of uh, <coughs> How to Break Up with Your Phone on. Yeah, Kathleen Price. And I have been uh, waiting to talk to her um, because we are just addicted. We are addicted to outrage and we're addicted to our phone. Yeah, uh, Catherine said that what, it's now the average um, that people use their phone. It's four hours. Now, this is an invention that started... 10 years ago or 11 years ago with the iPhone in 2007, a smartphone. And that is about one quarter of our awake time that we've given to it. We're giving a brand new invention, a quarter of our lives and no one's really noticing. I mean, I think people really, I mean like it's getting to the point where I think it really is affecting people's lives. And I don't think in a positive way, very, very rarely do I'm like, wow, I'm glad I spent that last half hour on that phone. Like that almost never happens. So, yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't I don't you yeah. know, I don't have a phone, but I do have an iPad and I use it all the time. Yeah, you should be. She, she recommended a couple of apps that track this and I'm, I'm terrified about what it's going to tell me about Oof. myself. But it's like it tells you what how, is the app? I got I gotta, one of them is called moment for the iPad um, an iPhone moment. And what it does is it just, so far, I just started it yesterday. I had to install it, though. It tells you how long you're actively using your phone. So not, if you're on the phone, like, making a call, it doesn't count that. If you're listening to a podcast with the screen off, it doesn't count that. But if you're actually looking at the phone, tracks that, and also how many times you pick it up and activate it, which that one I'm terrified about. Because, I mean, I, I check it a lot, but it's usually for short periods. I can't even imagine what that's going to tell me after a week or two of doing this. It's going to be terrifying. Uh, so you should you should put it on your phone. I'd love oh, to see I, what your numbers are like. I don't know if I want to see it. <laughs> I know it's. I don't know if I want to see it. It's terrible. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, and she said that the reason she started with it is she has a, she had a newborn, and she was flipping through like eBay, and she looks down at her newborn and realized that her, her newborn was looking up at her mom, you know, trying to connect oh, with yeah, her mom, yeah, and yeah, she yeah. was just staring at some stupid auction for antique doorknobs, <laughs> like. What what are we prioritizing wow. here? I, we're making really strange decisions, and I don't know that we've actually thought about it. You always talk about like making principled decisions. Think about the decision before you have to make it, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're doing that with our devices. No, and especially with the technology that is coming our way. Yeah, it's going to get. I mean, this is nothing compared to what you've talked about, which is right around the corner. Yeah, with artificial intelligence and and all of those developments. <sighs> I, we're not prepared at all no we are not no no we're not you know one of the things i noticed this weekend is the lack of phones in people's hands i didn't see people at the museum here with phones in their hands i mean Mm. i saw them take pictures but i saw no one no no one wanted to get on their phone right they're taking pictures of the stuff or maybe they had the tour uh, because the phone was uh you could use it as a uh, tour guide basically they had a little app in there but uh that was it you're right. People weren't like, oh, I'm going to check Twitter. Yeah, nobody was standing off of the side. You know how people always are doing this? Mm-hmm. Families will be together, and there's always somebody that's kind of behind that's just looking at the phone, usually the kids. Didn't happen this weekend. Just really. That shows how much. It, it was I, nice. People were so into it, and they yeah. came from so far. Gosh, we had people from all over the country. Thank you so much yeah. for coming. Um, we're going to be uh, making an announcement of uh, something we're going to be doing in February. Have you heard? I don't know. We have um, on on um, 
Sunday night, I was sitting in my office with Alan and the guys from uh, from um, the Lincoln Museum, and they said, "What do you? What would you think about doing something in February together?" And I said, "What do you have in mind?" And they said, "Well, you know, it's his birthday, but it's also Black History Month." I said, "Yeah," and they said. What if we bring all of our cool stuff down here and you do it down here? I was like, do uh, people say no to that? <laughs> uh, okay. How great were the people from the Lincoln Museum? Oh I mean, my gosh, they, they were great. Fantastic. They're Alan's really awesome. They, but they were just so, they were so helpful and so, I mean, they just cared about people understanding the history and they, seeing it. They are really, you know, they were here Saturday uh, for, uh, or was it Friday night, I think? where we were talking about uh, the Nazarene Fund mm. and the work that we're doing with freeing slaves. We have some pretty amazing announcements to make here in the next few weeks. Um, but uh, we had a, a dinner, a special dinner just for that, uh, to raise money for it. And they were there. And, and that, I think, is what really took them. They were like, that's, that's Abraham Lincoln's legacy, freeing slaves. We've got to get p- more people to understand that slaves are still you know, in chains. And we got to free them. And I, I was just really excited. They were, they, they, they're not just, they're not just history people. They're, 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 they're all there at the Lincoln Museum because it means something. Yeah. You know, the legacy of Lincoln. So we'll give you more uh, on that uh, as we go. We, we really need to talk about the uh, trade war uh, in a couple of ways tonight at five o'clock. I'm going to be telling you. Exactly how a trade war works, why it's really, really bad, why it's particularly bad right now, some of the history of trade wars. Um, But we are looking at a situation to where now the Dow is down another 300 points before it even opens uh, because the president wants to put massive tariffs on China. In fact, by the time they retaliate and we retaliate back, it will be a tariff on all of the goods coming our way. That means almost everything that you buy at Walmart is going to be much higher in price. Because China doesn't pay it. You, you will pay it. China doesn't pay it. You know, the people who make it, they don't pay it. They just pass that price on to you. So it's a hidden tax. And we sell China our expensive stuff. They sell us their cheap stuff because we have expensive labor. They have cheap labor. They have slaves. So we buy their cheap stuff that helps us and really helps the poor. Um, you know, this, the stuff that everybody can, everybody can afford to buy comes from China. And that stuff is what is going to now be affected next. So when you walk into Walmart or Target... And you notice that the prices are going way up. It's because it's a hidden tax. It is the trade war. And it's not, it's not China's fault. Then on top of it, we are going to be exporting fewer things because their people can't afford our expensive stuff. Because we're not going to pay for that tariff that China puts on. The Chinese people will. And so as they raise the prices of our stuff, their people can't afford our stuff. We can't afford their stuff. Jobs start to fall apart. 
when jobs start to fall apart, the stock market falls apart, meaning there's less money. We are also at the same time currently, even in this, you know, oh, great economic situation that we're in. We're still having to print or borrow a trillion dollars extra a year. This new budget that the government put through, not even a budget, this this uh, omnibus that they put through has an additional trillion dollar deficit. Takes us about a year to come up with another trillion dollars in spending every single year. Where do you think that money is going to come from? Well, they're thinking that the people who have invested their money in the stock market, you know, these, you know, for instance, the California Teachers Union, the Illinois State uh, Pension Fund, that they are going to suddenly start to invest and buy U.S. Treasury bonds. Well, are they? Will they have the money to if this trade imbalance collapses the stock market? It's a nasty, nasty circle. And this is about principle over personality. I mean, the media is probably the most guilty of this right now. They're trying to make this all into a Trump is bad argument. When these are policies the media and, and the left has supported for decades. These are, these are things that they have pushed for on television for dozens and dozens of years. Going back, basically the entire progressive era is based on tariffs. Go back even further. You'll find this throughout history. Uh, failed trade war after failed trade war after failed trade for war. One of the main reasons the United States uh, pulled itself out of of the you know the doldrums of history is because of this miracle, right? This this idea that you can actually it's not a a a, 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 a pie, right? It's not it's not a a, a zero sum game. We can actually improve by having trade that is free, and because we were the first ones that. Uh, that embrace that more than everyone else in the world, we were able to pull ahead of the world. And it's one of the big reasons the entire world has improved. Now, you know, when we've been talking about the way, you know, for example, you know who loves, you know who loves, loves tariffs, which again are just tax increases. You know who loves tariffs? Unions. Union labor. That That's the, the unions have been forcing this, trying to get these things through forever. And they have been pushing with the help of the left and the media forever. This is not about personalities. It's about principle. And the principle of it is, first of all, uh, free trade is better. Less government uh, intervention is better. Less taxation is better. And these things beyond the principle actually work. And they have shown to work over and over again. Uh, And the opposite is true with tariffs. I mean, we talked about the one with... uh, you know, one of the more recent examples is the tire tariff. This is a small example, much less than what we're talking about today. But Obama put tariffs on Chinese tires. Um, and what happened at the end of that? $900,000 a job at the best estimate. $900,000 a job to protect a $50,000 a year job. So, it makes no sense. Meaning that we paid $900,000. Oh, you paid it. In additional. Yeah, yeah I mean. Anybody who bought for, tires bought paid it. Yeah, you paid an additional tax, $900,000 in additional tax to save one job. And that job pays 50000 that math just doesn't work. It's completely bonkers. The same thing is happening with uh, 
with washing machines now. We talked about this late last week. You know, they, they had all these issues with washing machines. Uh, they, want, they didn't like the American companies, didn't think that they could compete. So what do they do? They put tariffs on the foreign uh, production of washing machines uh, on a couple of countries. What they did then was move the production country to a different country. And so they avoided the tariffs completely. Then they decided to put it on uh, those countries and they moved them again. And then when they finally decided to put it on everybody, yes, they moved some, a very small slice of their production to the United States. However, at a cost of $600,000 per job. Now listen to this. Think how much the cost of your washing machine went up, not just because of this hidden tariff tax, but also because the companies had to spend all of that money to move their operation to another country <laughs> twice. Yeah, twice. I mean, think about how how that affected the price. Just that alone affected the price of your washing machines. I mean, I think it's 17 percent since these tariffs went on washing machines. The price of washing machines are up 17 percent. It had never been uh, over a year to year period up more than about three percent. And now it's 17 percent. And a lot of times, by the way, other years, it has dropped the price overall has dropped on washing machines. Well, it 17%. should because its technology is changing yeah. so rapidly. Usually what happens unless, of course, you put tariffs on them. So here's the thing. If you have to buy a washing machine this year, it's going to cost you 17%. Now, 17% more. Later in the year, it's going to cost you even more than that. could cost you 25% more. Have you gotten a 25% raise? The answer is No. So what happens when tariffs cause the prices of things to go up, it stops the economy because you can no longer afford it. Why do they print money at the Fed? Why do they why do they do quantitative easing? They did it so you had money in your pocket so you could go out and buy the washing machine or the car or whatever it else it it, it is that you needed. It pumps the economy. It gets it moving. The tariff does exactly the opposite. It makes it so you can't afford those things. And if you're messing with China, that goes all the way down to food. Wow, you see the price of houses are going up. Homeowners with a mortgage... You're seeing home equity increase 13.3% since the first quarter of last year. Your equity, coming, I know this is coming from CoreLogic, has gone up over 10%. If you're a homeowner, that means your investment is making you good money, money that can be used to pay off debt. Maybe some funds uh, can be used for home improvement or help pay off your kid's high-interest uh, uh, high college loan. Now, if you're not a homeowner, it's just another reason why now is the time to invest in your own home. Get started today by calling the salary-based mortgage consultants at American Financing. So whether you want to refi and try to pay set down some of that debt based on the gains in your house, you can do that. Or if you're buying your first house, your, your last house, call American Financing. 
800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. Or online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Glenn Beck. Among other things, what didn't we like about Obamacare, for example? that it was a tax increase by the government so that they could choose someone to give the money to, a redistribution of wealth. It was by nature a redistribution of wealth. That's what it was, its main point, as stated by them. Mm -hmm. And so what is a tariff? A tariff is a new tax on the goods you buy that goes to a group, in theory, and very inefficiently, that supposedly needs help. They're raising taxes on you, and they're giving it to, let's say, people who work on washing machines because they think people who work on washing machines need help. That is just a redistribution of wealth. It's a tax increase to take your money and give it to someone the government has chosen to receive it. That is not a conservative principle. No, we were not for picking winners and losers. That's not the government's responsibility. And Congress needs to vote on all of these things. Glenn Beck. Today is Juneteenth. You ever heard of Juneteenth? People in Texas have heard of Juneteenth. Some states, it's very, very important. Some states, uh, it's a, an official day of remembrance. Some don't celebrate it at all, but it's actually a very important day. It's just the dumbest named holiday ever. Juneteenth. It's like, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> Juneteenth. Juneteenth actually is the day in 1865 when the Union Army's Major General Gordon Granger landed in Galveston, Texas, and he declared that all slaves were now free. Not just the slaves in Texas, but all slaves were now free. Now, you would say, well, that was the Emancipation Proclamation. Well, no, it actually wasn't. The Emancipation Proclamation happened two years before but the Civil War hadn't ended. And so they, they, you know, most slave owners were like, what emancipation? I haven't heard anything about that. There was rumblings in slave quarters that they had been freed, but nobody was enforcing it until the Union soldiers would come to town. Once the war was over, it was June 19th that the, that the army came in and said, you're free. Now think of that. Juneteenth in some, in some areas, it was celebrated for years after the Civil War, almost like New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Because in some slave quarters that knew that that day was approaching, they actually stayed up and counted the clock and counted the time until they were free. So it was, for many years, almost celebrated as New Year's Eve. Now we've almost completely forgotten it. Well, social justice warriors haven't. They want to use this. Uh, this is a day of action. The, the continuing struggle for equality. <sighs> why, why? How is it that so many people... Are, are, you know, these evil slave-holding uh, 
white people that didn't care at all about slavery at all, didn't fight with everything they had to stop slavery. There are more slaves today than in the entire 400 years of the Western slave trade combined. Combined. Are you an abolitionist? Today we're going to start a program, 5-4 Lincoln. We'll tell you about it in about an hour. Are you an abolitionist? What's interesting on Juneteenth is it's written about by Booker T. Washington in his book, Up From Slavery. He says he doesn't really remember too much. He was young, but he remembers... He remembers someone riding in to the plantation, to the slave quarters, and it was a Union soldier, and he explained to them that they were free. He said, my mother wept with joy. He said there was singing, there was dancing. It was a, a night not to be forgotten. He said, however, the next day and the next few days, were something to remember as well. He said the next day he remembers it being much more somber and people asking each other, so what does this mean? What does it mean to be free? Where do we go? What do we do? He points out in a very healing passage, that on the plantation that he was on, the same kind of conversation was happening inside the master's house. What does this mean? Where do we go? What do we do? Both sides quickly realized they needed each other. Because the people who lived in the main house, they had no skills whatsoever. None. They had never done any hard work. They'd... They didn't have skills. And those that had worked in the fields didn't necessarily have the skill to run a plantation. And he said, so some of us left, but some of us stayed by choice this time. Forget the stupid name. Juneteenth and recognize this day as a day that puts all of us into the light where we all have to answer the question are we furthering Abraham Lincoln's work because it's not done and in fact it's only gotten worse far worse globally It's Tuesday, June 19th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program. Uh, as you know, if you're a longtime listener, you know that whenever we have somebody who is uh, trying to uh, run for Congress and, and they are a Nazi or whatever, we have uh, uh, brought that to your attention. Uh, here's one that needs to be brought to your attention. It is a jihadi cult member 
that has now uh, filed to run for Congress. And uh, Ryan Morrow is with us. He is the director of the Clarion Intelligence Network. Ryan, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. Good. Can, can you tell us uh, um, who this person is and where they're running? Sure. So there's basically two members of this jihadi cult called Jamaat al-Fukra, which was really exposed in the best way with uh, Off the Record, um, one of, which was uh, an episode of that show on The Blaze. Yeah. Um, and it's about, it, basically, this group, Jamaat al-Fukra, has a radical leader in Pakistan that the members essentially worship, and they have all these radical ties. And so two members, as part of their PR makeover, are running for Congress, and the one just uh, dropped out, I learned. Uh, one member, uh, Greg Jones, was running in Alaska. Before that, he was a delegate for Bernie Sanders at the Democratic Convention. Wow. Um, and then the other individual is Tahira Amatul Wadud, who is the legal counsel for Jamaat al-Fukra and their Islamburg headquarters, uh, which is open, just so openly radical. And she's also a board member for CARES branch in Massachusetts, the mm-hmm. Council on American Islamic Relations uh, that your listeners are very familiar with as a Muslim Brotherhood front. None of this gets mentioned in the media. Uh, she is running in the Democratic primary. Whether she wins or not is really a secondary issue to the fact that this group exists, claims to have 22 Islamic villages, as they describe them, around the U.S., and those that are entering the public square and remain loyal to this radical cult leader in Pakistan are just getting a free ride from the media. So this is a this is something that we did on on the record, and it's a it's a, it was it's a terrifying uh, group, been around for um, quite some time, but never really had legitimacy. Islamburg is uh, the the town that was started by this group up in uh, New York State, and they they claim that this is a totally cool town, and but nobody in the media will even cover this. No one will even talk about this. Can you tell us a little bit about it, uh, Ryan? Sure. So Islamburg is just the headquarters of these 22 Islamic villages across the U.S. that this group, operating under the name Muslims of the Americas, because it makes it really hard to talk about them with that type of name without sounding like a bigot, um, that they claim to have this network. Now, in 1992, one of their secret camps, which was 100 acres, was raided in Colorado. They found weapons, plans for terrorist attacks in there. Um, so we know about the dual nature of this group, and we have sources through uh, the group that I work for, Clarion Project, um, and Clarion Intelligence Network is a section of that. We have sources inside this group who have told us about what it's like inside this cult-type group. Um, they have an apocalyptic mindset. Uh, we know people who have been lashed. Um, it, it's just really frightening, and they're apocalyptic in that they believe that when their current leader passes away and is replaced by someone else, uh, that that's kind of the green light for this final jihad that they will wage and win with the Mahdi. So, and there's, by the way, there's also lots and lots of money going from the United States over to Pakistan from this network, and we know people who have gone to Pakistan as part of this group and have said how this basically acts as a conduit to other groups backed by Pakistani intelligence. So they're part of a broader network, um, even though they are a weird cult themselves. Are other they, jihadist groups embrace them. Are they Sunni or Shia? They describe themselves as Sufi Sunni. Okay. Um, this is a fascinating story, Ryan. And, and I think it has a connection to uh, a documentary that a lot of people have been watching lately, Wild Wild Country. 
um, yeah. which is on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's that whole Rajneeshi thing from from the eighties. It is an absolute must watch uh, if if you're into this these sorts of stories. It's a crazy, crazy story. But he has a connection to a group that was featured in a really negative way in that documentary. <laughs> right. So the Rajneesh, uh, it's almost identical, except that was more of an Indian weird cult, and this is a weird cult of, a, of an Islamic fashion. And this, that cult that's in Wild Wild Country, at one point in this documentary series on Netflix, they talk about a hotel that was bombed, but they make it sound like it was done by anti-immigrant bigots mm-hmm. in Oregon. Actually, it was this rival cult that we're talking about and was exposed on the, the Blazes on the record uh, TV show um, as Jamaat al Fukra. They bombed them, but I couldn't believe it as I was watching Wild Wild Country, and it was amazing, and, it, and it's so similar to how Fukra operates. They, they talk about how that cult became essentially weaponized, started stockpiling, doing paramilitary training because their hotel was bombed, and they imply it was anti-immigrant bigots who did it. No, it was actually this jihadi cult. It was two cults getting into a fight yeah which is kind of amazing in a, in a way that their militarization uh the rajneeshis their militarization was in some part at least they claimed was caused by this terrorist group bombing their hotel uh and here we are decades later everyone's watching this thing like it's this retro cute little documentary about this group that on. we don't understand and here's here's someone running for congress that's tied to the group Right, and if you raise this issue, the way that this group and CARE and the media is able to savage you is just remarkable because at least with the Muslim Brotherhood groups, you have to dig to find out how extreme they are and they hide it. This group doesn't really hide it. I mean, their leader says Jews are examples of human Satans. The woman who's running for Congress in Massachusetts, she shared a group, a, an article by her leader, Sheikh Jelani, that basically whitewashed Hitler. Mm. And, and somehow she's able to get away with all this and, and hasn't even been asked a question. Uh, but my main concern is about the people within this group. And uh, one of them did ask me to thank you, uh, Glenn, uh, for the work that The Blaze has done. Uh, wow. Because many members in this cult are not even aware of the group's own history. They just assume it's all Islamophobic propaganda. Um, but I've sent that link to people in the group, and they said it really awoke in their eyes, even though they were lifelong members of that group. Wow. How many people are in this group? Somewhere between three and 5,000 members, but that doesn't include uh, the armies of kids that they have. Um, and so it's really hard to track the membership. And then they associate with others that are kind of in the group, out of the group. Some people leave the group and then go back because it's so hard to build a new life. Ryan, are you concerned at all You know, with their apocalyptic um, vision? There are many groups now, both left and right, that have this apocalyptic vision, um, and especially in the Islamic world. They are just waiting for the attack on Israel or some uh, large event to happen before they all believe it'll be time to, to rise up. Yeah, that, that's one of the disaster scenarios that keeps me awake at night, is that I understand that the full potential of the jihadist movement is not being realized because for many of them, uh, they are not permitted to use their full capabilities. But what if these prophetic signs that they all claim to be waiting for are fulfilled, uh, in their mind fulfilled? Uh, what happens then? And, and that's the big question mark. And in regards to this group specifically, because they follow a man who they basically worship and they believe uh, knows all of their thoughts um, and appears as animals, they go outside, if they see a bird that's white, they think it's Sheikh Jelani spying on them to make sure that they're not engaging in impure activities. When you deal with that type of crazy mindset, 
what if a guy like that wants to make his mark on history before he dies? Or what if they have a dream at night and their shake appears to them in this dream and says, okay, now it's time to go. There's the green light. To them, that's a, that's a message. They won't wake up and say, that's a dream. They'll say, no, that means I'm supposed to do something. So you have all the ingredients here, just like we did before 9-11, um, where you say, look at all these ingredients. Is the capability here for something to explode? Is it possible there could be 22 jihadi cult Wacos? And the answer is yes. Uh, but unfortunately, when I talk to some people in the federal government, they say, well, they stopped carrying out terrorist attacks in the early 90s. Yeah, they might be doing stuff overseas, um, but we're really focused on al-Qaeda and ISIS. And my response is, well, you're not understanding the ideology and the fact that some groups are pragmatic. So when one of their camps that's 100 acres gets shut down, yeah, of course the leader's going to say scale back for a while. He doesn't want to lose all of his infrastructure, but that infrastructure exists with a purpose. Ryan, what is the name of this uh, this uh, person that is running in Congress? Uh, that is Tahira Amatul-Wadud in Massachusetts. And which district? Um, I forget that, but it's against uh, Representative Neal Okay, the Democrat primary. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Ryan. Keep following this uh, for us and uh, keep us informed on what's going on. That right, is uh, director of the Clarion Intelligence Network. If you want to find out more, it's Fukra Files, F-U-Q-R-A Files.com. Well, here in Dallas, it's about a thousand degrees and uh, there's nothing like keeping things cool. Uh, it is hot and only going to get hotter and with a with allergies uh, on the rise and also the heat on the rise, your air conditioning unit is running at full tilt. It's going to work overtime, and it's going to have a lot of stress on it. And replacing um, an air conditioning or an HVAC, especially in a building, is not cheap. That's why you need to keep a fresh set of filters in your system all summer long from FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 sizes. They ship for free within 24 hours, and they're all made right here in America. Now, they also have auto delivery. That way you don't ever forget, you know, it'll come to your door and you'll be like, oh, crap, I got to change the filter. They make it really, really easy. You don't even have to think about it. And if you get the auto delivery, they knock 5% off the order. So save time, save money and breathe better with filterby.com. That's filterbuy.com. Filterby.com. This... uh, Phony outrage uh, by the press is just disgusting on the border. And I say it's phony because it's been happening since uh, Obama. We know we were there. You were with us, most likely, at least listening to us when we went down to McAllen. Uh, and uh, and now they approach us with this phony outrage. Yeah. Excuse it, me. They've got the new thing today. They're trying and they're just throwing everything against the wall on this one. They think they have Trump. They're all united against him. And that's really all this is about for them. Yeah, oh, yeah. So it's not about the kids, obviously. Um, but what's interesting is that today they're trying to go with the dual approach of this is basically the worst thing any government has ever done. And I'm not exaggerating really on that one, as many figures in the media have tied this to concentration camps, have tied this directly to Nazi concentration camps, have talked about internment camps, it's an blah, insult. blah, blah. Right. It's so an insult. it's the worst thing that's ever a government has ever done to anyone. At the same time, they're arguing that it is not a deterrent. Now, this argument is based on an internal document 
uh, that shows that it has not decreased border crossings yet. They've been talking about it for a week, right? Let the word spread a little bit, and it probably will be a deterrent. But you don't get both of those arguments. There's no way to argue that it's the, like the worst thing that anything is uh, that has ever happened in the history of the globe, and at the same time argue that it would not deter people. If it if it, it it's, it's either like saying, not as bad as you're saying, or it right. will deter people. It's well, it's kind of like saying you know, uh, you know, these concentration camps and the ovens. I mean, it's the worst thing ever, but it also didn't really get rid of all the Jews. Wait a minute. Wait, what? <laughs> right. But but like more purely potentially it would be like, uh, but it, it also wasn't a deterrent for people to immigrate to Germany. Like, well, well, yeah, it was a deterrent for people that Jews did not want to go into Germany in that time period. Because it was really super bad. They were all captured and forced to go. It wasn't something that they were willingly crossing into. So these things are obviously not the same. It's obviously not a deterrent because I know we were there in 2014 and we could not get the media, left or right, to report on these things. No one wants to see it. Now they do. But unfortunately, it's fake outrage. It's only about POTUS. Mm -hmm. If you could name one person that you think is possibly the bravest person alive that has something to risk, I, I, should, I should change it. Take, take, take our military out of it. Take military people out of it. Average, you know, people are just doing their job nine to five, and it doesn't mean going overseas and, you know, doing secret missions. Who do you think one of the bravest people on the planet is? Somebody who has a lot to lose and is just not stopping, will not comply. Other than myself, obviously. Yeah, other um, than Stu, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, that's... Because you got to have somebody who's really... It can't be somebody who is, uh, you know... Uh, I mean, it's almost got to be someone who is really famous and rich and has something huge to lose, like to to blow up their career over it. Chris Pratt. That's a good one. Chris Pratt. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, he, he he won the Generation Award at the MTV Movie and TV Awards. And then he used his speech to say a few things. Listen to this. This being the Generation Award, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut to the chase and I'm going to speak to you, the next generation, okay? I accept the responsibility as your elder, so listen up. This is what I call nine rules from Chris Pratt, Generation Award winner. Number one, breathe. If you don't, you'll suffocate. Number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it. Number three, don't be a turd. If you're strong, be a protector, and if you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, and do not wield them against the weak. That makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. Number four, when giving a dog medicine, put the medicine in a little piece of hamburger, they won't even know they're eating medicine. (laughs) Number five, doesn't matter what it is, earn it. A good deed, reach out to someone in pain, be of service, it feels good and it's good for your soul. Number six, God is real. God loves you. 
God wants the best for you. Believe that. Mm. I do. Wow. Holy cow. Number seven. MTV? If you have to poop at a party, but you're embarrassed because you're going to stink up the bathroom, just do what I do. Lock the door. Sit down. Get all the pee out first. Okay? (laughs) And then once all the pee's done, poop flush. Boom. You minimize the amount of time that the poop is touching the air. Because if you poop first, it takes you longer to pee, and then you're peeing on top of it, stirring it up. The poop particles create a cloud, goes out, and then everyone in the party will know that you pooped. Just, tr- just trust me, it's science. Number eight. Good point. Learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, number nine, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. (laughs) You are imperfect. You always will be. But there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood. Do not forget it. Wow. Don't take it for granted. God bless you. Please get home safely. Jeez. Wow. That is incredible. On multiple levels. Yeah. Now, Hollywood has got to be set to destroy this man by making him appear in really crappy Jurassic Park sequels. <laughs> Don't do any more, Chris. <laughs> Don't make any more. Think of what he just did. And it's so amazing. Second point, breathe, you have a soul. Then the third point is strength and intelligence can be weapons. Don't use them as a weapon. Help people. The fourth one is the fourth one. He is revealing himself. Yeah. When you give dog medicine, put medicine in a piece of hamburger. They won't even know what it is. So now listen what he did. The, the, the sixth is God is real, God loves you, God wants the best for you, believe that. The eighth is learn to pray. It's easy and good for your soul. What's the seventh? (laughs) The hamburger. Pooping at a party. Yeah. Uh, That is brilliant, and he's he's using as a joke to, to make people actually care and listen to his other points. He uses the joke, that's the hamburger, to let the medicine, get the medicine down, the dog's throat. And at the same point, he's actually telling you what he's doing in the joke. It's amazing. Amazing. It's really amazing. And then to talk about being your your uh, grace, your sins have been washed away by someone else's blood. At, M- at an MTV, MTV Award. I mean, what is MTV, you know, and their award shows famous for? All it is usually is, you know, Horrid. how many genders can we get to kiss each other? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's everything that is praised there. And again, is, you know, promiscuousness and all sorts of different things. How out of touch is the media? Did you hear when he first said uh, you have a soul? Was it you have a soul? Yeah, I think it was. You have a soul. Be careful with it. Uh, or was it God? I don't remember which one is God. Where he said, I know there is a God. And you heard the crowd? It was the biggest cheer yet. Which is bizarre, because you would certainly be told that that audience would not be receptive to that view. Correct. And listen, he says, there is a God. I know it. I live it. You should, too. 
huge crowd applause. It is controversial. It's on MTV. That is controversial. Every time MTV had Madonna kiss a girl, Michael Jackson kiss a girl. Uh, <laughs> Both uh, of which were totally wrong. Yeah, right. they were, you'll never be able to get them out of your mind. Every time that they have had something happen that was controversial, the media picked it up and ran with it for days. Here's something controversial and good. And the media is not touching it. Why is that? Why is that? They've mistakenly empowered someone uh, to, to who actually has sensible views and, and, and a good perspective on the world. And that's not supposed to happen. How does this guy survive? I don't know. He's going to be targeted by something soon. This doesn't end well. This, this doesn't is, end this well. Is, you, <laughs> this never does. This goes to, this really goes to how powerful a sense of humor is. Yeah. If you have well, a sense of humor, you can get away with it for a very long time. It goes also to your point you made uh, in hour one when it comes to the immigration crisis, right? Like the, it, 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 what the left does is it pulls on, on your emotional heartstrings, right? This is a somewhat similar approach. Your key's getting a message through of real seriousness, of real depth, right? To an audience that is in its formative years. And he's able to pull that off because of humor, and you know what, like it, whether uh, it's the same sort of tactic that Hollywood uses all the time, the opposite way. Mm-hmm. They use humor, they use emotion to bring people across lines they wouldn't normally cross to their viewpoints. Um, and I think it's it's really important that, you know, we learn those lessons as conservatives and, and as uh, particularly as people of faith. It is really important, especially now when we're talking about these kids on the border. What is the media doing? What's the media doing? The media is immediately playing the video or the audio of kids who are crying for their parents. Listen to one cut. Do you have it, so stop so the media is playing this and it is heart-wrenching to hear it is truly heart-wrenching to hear we would have liked to play that for you but we couldn't get our hands on it when we were there we just had to describe what was happening because the Obama administration had that thing locked down. We had to take it from people who were working in it and coming out saying, you don't know what they're doing to children in here. This is, this is beyond reprehensible. What is happening? We had to throw these things together. This is why we went down and I know many people in this audience mocked us for giving soccer balls and everything else. It was because we have to emotionally care about these children. And we have the emotional high ground because we were there then and we cared about them. We are there now and we care about them. 
here, here's what the here's what the priests told me and the pastors down in McAllen when I went. Quote. I'm surprised you showed up. Quote, I only showed up this morning because I never thought you would. I called a meeting of the pastors because the pastors are the ones that are caring for these children, most of them. I called a meeting at like at six o'clock in the morning when we went down there that day. Most of them had never even met before. Most of them, most of them had not worked together before. And some of them were only there because they didn't think I would show up. And when I said, why wouldn't I show up? And they said, because the price is too high and nobody ever really cares. The media will come down, but they don't ever really care. This audience, this audience sent truckload after truckload after truckload, almost $3 million that fall to the border. We went from the summer until almost Christmas time, delivering food, delivering clothing to these children. Couldn't get the media to cover it. Couldn't get anybody to join me. I asked people on the left, join us, join us. They wouldn't. Why? Because it hurt their president. Do not turn your eyes. Do not become what they were. By dismissing this, this is a horror show, and it's really easy to take care of it. We have to do a few things. One, stop encouraging people to come here. As I said earlier, you would never, ever allow a U.S. citizen, two people, to claim that that's their children without identification and proof that that is their children leaving our country, going to another country. You would never do it. Why? Because that's how children are kidnapped and trafficked. Why are we accepting that? Why are we saying that that's what has to happen? That these kids must stay with these people if they have proof, then yes, perhaps, but they should be turned right around. If they don't have evidence that, that those are their children, we don't know. They could be traffickers. I hope to God not, but some of them are. We need to strengthen our border. We can keep parents and children together quite easily. Ted Cruz has a plan. I hope the Senate will pass it and pass it quickly. But don't buy into all of this hype. Do not. They did not care. The media and the left did not care when this was happening under Obama's watch. If you didn't, if you didn't care when it was happening under Obama's watch. We all make mistakes. If you don't care right now, we all make mistakes. We must start caring about the human condition And then, while we're caring about the human condition, take the steps to secure our border. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. I know people in Washington don't think so, but it can be done. Volatility in the stock markets down 332 points today. Why is that, Stu? Why is that down? Tariffs. 
Oh, tariffs? What uh, tariffs? It's, it's what it's called. It's called a tax increase. Uh, really? On American consumers. I don't know what you're talking about. Hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah, uh, so China is in full trade war now. We're talking about uh, a response to China, which will be a, a full tariff on all trade with China. $500 billion of, uh, of tariffs. That's insanity. Insanity. If this continues, um, we are going to experience very bad, very bad times. If you care about the president... You should call the White House, write the White House, and beg him. He will listen to his constituents. Stop the trade war. Please stop the trade war. It's going to kill this economy. All right. Um, as you see, the stock market going down, inflation going up. That's also because of the trade war. Our dollar is in trouble. Uh, may I suggest you look into gold. Gold is the one thing that thrives in an inflationary period. Gold always goes up as the dollars become worth less and less and less until they are eventually worthless. There's no other asset that does this. It is gold at Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE. I want you to call their operators right now, 1-866-GOLDLINE. Find out if gold or silver is right for you, but take a look at the stock market today. Take a look at the trade war today. What does this mean? I would call Goldline, 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Welcome to the program. Um, you know, Chris Pratt said, um, uh, while well, he won the MTV award, if you are strong, use that strength to serve the weak. We're going to uh, tell you a little bit about that with 5-4 Lincoln next Glenn Beck. Uh, an immaculate Nazi doctor hovers over a newborn. He probes. Eh, then he sneers. Okay, take this one away, he says. That is the very real process that no Nazi doctors undertook during the era of Nazi Germany. Two doctors had to agree. Then somebody from the administration had to agree. Eh, life's not really worth living. Eugenics, the studious, sterile search to find children that would define a pure breed for the German lineage, the Ubermensch. During a speech to a delegation of Italy's family association in Rome last Saturday, Pope Francis referred to this cruel Nazi practice and used it as a comparison to the increasingly popular process throughout Europe and here in the United States of ending birth defects by offering women abortions who have babies with any kind of defect. The Pope said, and I quote, I say this with pain. In the last century, the whole world was scandalized about what the Nazis did to purify the race. Today, we do the same thing, but now we do it with white gloves. Still quoting, I have heard that it is fashionable, or at least usual, that when in the first months of pregnancy, they do studies to see if the child is healthy or has some sort of defect. The first offer is, let us send it away, end quote. Now, CNN heard the news. They didn't report it right away because they had to verify it with the Vatican. It didn't fit the usual narrative. They didn't think that that was actually come 
coming from him. Some people are reporting that this was just off-the-cuff remarks. It wasn't. It was in a speech. He also addressed claims that he has dedicated himself to the LGBTQI causes. He says, today, it is hard to say this, but we speak of diversified families, different types of families. It is true that the word family is a... uh, a word that we use was a family of stars, a family of trees, a family of animals. But the human family in the image of God, man and woman, is the only one. It is the only one. A man and a woman can be non-believers, but if they love each other and unite in marriage, they are in the image of God, even if they do not believe, end quote. Now, this guy has been seen by the media as a cool pope. Pope Francis, he's the best. He's the Obama of Catholicism. But he remembered that he was a Catholic this weekend. It'll be interesting to see how abruptly and how severely that perspective on CNN and other uh, media outlets changes. It's Tuesday, June 19th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Tuesday, June 19th. A very, very important day after the Civil War. June 19th. It's called now Juneteenth. And it is the celebration. And most Americans don't know this, but on June 19th, on actually the 18th, in some slave uh, circles uh, back at the end of the Civil War, They actually counted down the hours to the 19th of June because that's the day the proclamation, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation actually took effect. They were actually truly free. It had been kept from so many slaves. Slave owners just kept their mouth shut during the Civil War. But once it was over, the announcement was made that it would happen on June 19th. That date, June 19th, for many years after was celebrated in African-American communities almost the same way as it was celebrated uh, during uh, or as we celebrate um, New Year's Day. African-American communities would stay up late and they would count down the minutes until the new year or until June 19th, if you will, to celebrate the end of slavery. It's almost all but forgotten. It is this, the state of Texas is one of the only ones that I've seen really mark Juneteenth, at least the states that I've lived in. Uh, it is a day of remembrance and an official holiday in many of the states. We wanted to get Alan Lowe on. He's the executive director of the Abraham Presidential Library and Museum. Uh, and I thought it was an appropriate day to have him on on, on Juneteenth. Welcome, uh, Alan. How are you? Great to be with you. Glenn. doing well. I have to tell you, it was a great weekend um, this weekend here at the Mercury uh, Studios where you allowed us to have uh, the Gettysburg Address for its three days out in the sunlight. Can you explain to people why it's, why it's always in a dark vault? Yes, well, we want to conserve it for future generations, so we have to be very careful of how much light it's exposed to. Uh, so it is treated very, very gingerly, and it only comes out a few days a year. And we were really, really happy to bring it down and share it with you and, and all your uh, your supporters there in Texas. It was Alan, terrific. I don't know if you saw the people that came through. We had some people that were crying. Um, yeah. I, I, I will tell you that the the uh, when I saw African-American families uh, go up to it uh, and yeah. 
explain it and read it to their children. That whole section was so unbelievably powerful. You must well, you must see a lot of amazing things. I, I do. And, you know, the, the Gettysburg Address, not just the most important speech in American history, but really helps define who we are, what we are. And, uh, yeah, I tear up every time I see it. And we have so many items like that here. Uh, uh, one of his uh, stovepipe hats. And when you see that, you're seeing Abraham Lincoln, it feels like. And it's all a very emotional, very emotional thing. You have his hats. You have his hat and his gloves, and yes. um, we we asked if you could bring those down, but they are in they are in such um, delicate condition that they you're afraid that they'll just disintegrate. Is that is that right? That's right. Yes, they're very very fragile. So we uh, every now and then the hat will come out and be displayed here, but very carefully. Uh, it's very difficult to, to transport them. The same thing uh, we have the fan that Mary had the night in at Ford's Theater that has spatters of the president's blood on it, and that's very, very fragile, so that very rarely comes out. And his, and his gloves as well. That's right. They were in his pocket that night. My understanding is he hated wearing the gloves, and it was the fashion to do, and Mary always handed them to him, and he usually stuffed them in his pockets, and that's where they were the night he was assassinated. So, Alan, um, one of the things we talked about, um, and I'm so... We are we're truly honored that you would allow us to... Um, have the Gettysburg Address and some of the other amazing things that that effigy of um, of Lincoln. Can you describe what it is? It was so powerful. Sure, sure. It was a small doll made to look like Abraham Lincoln by his enemies. You know, there were anti-Lincoln rallies all over the country. We forget how much horrible criticism this man took during his time and how much racism he had to fight. So this is an effigy doll that we're lucky to have. Usually they were burned, uh, but this one survived. And if you lift the little mask up that looks like Lincoln on the front, uh, behind it is a black face. And so you see the horrible racism of these people continually attacking him. And this, so we're very fortunate to have that in our, in, our, in our collection. It's basically the reverse of what some people like Clarence Thomas have gone through, where they say, he may be black in the face, but he's actually a white man. Here they were saying he's actually a black man, just in white face. That's right. He was uh, called a black Republican is the term they would use, right? Um, Terrible. So this collection that you brought down, um, yes. it is. it was collected, all of these pieces, a lot of them were from the night he yeah. was killed, and they were collected by just one private collector or is this a group of collectors that it all kind of ended up in the hands of one man so the things we brought down were, were from several but but uh, several of those items were from an individual um miss taper in california who had collected uh, a huge uh, assortment of documents and artifacts uh, all related to president lincoln many associated with the assassination but other things going back to his youth and that collection was purchased by our foundation back in 2007 and that's our continuing challenge is paying off the debt that remains from that purchase of these amazing things that included things like the bloody gloves and the stovepipe hat. Okay, so now those things were never seen until you guys had them, right? They've never right. been on display. That's right. Always in private hands. And uh, coming here, then we are able to not only preserve them and make sure they're here for this and future generations, but to make them available to people. So in our museum exhibits, in our research room, through our educational programs, this is where uh, you can come to see those things and to learn about our greatest president. And to and did these things suffer because they weren't curated properly, or did they did were they did, did this person actually do the things that needed to be done to keep them in the right shape? 
Yeah, I don't think uh, in this specific instance she did anything um, on purpose to do that. No, 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 no. Yeah, of course. But but in this case, we have you know expert conservators here we work with. So this this is where they can really be taken care of. And you know we know all the standards as your folks were great working with us on that type of thing in terms of lighting and temperature and humidity. All those things are critically important, and we can we can take care of those here. So with the Gettysburg Address, we were talking about this. You don't. I was shocked that you guys don't display it, um, and it's because you don't have the argon gas system That's right. uh, that you know the Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights has. And so you're only yeah. allowed to take it out about you know for three days a year. Do you, any right. idea what does an arc, what does that cost the argon gas? Yeah, I've, I've had my crew look into that uh, early on, and it's you know it's it's well over a million dollars to get the uh, what what we would love to do here. One of our many dreams, Glenn, is to display the Gettysburg Address. We also have a copy of the Thirteenth Amendment signed by President Lincoln and all the members of Congress who voted for it, as well as a copy of the Emancipation Proclamation signed Jeez. with the original signature by Abraham Lincoln. So my dream someday is that uh, we would have those cases and those conditions, the security around it that they have, at, like the National Archives, so that whenever you come here, you would always be able to see those things. Now, all of these things are owned privately, right? This is in a, a trust of some sort? Well, some, some are owned by us. Some are in, uh, owned by our foundation. So that taper collection, that's still owned by our foundation right. as they have paid but down. It's not, but it's not government-owned. This is not government-owned. Well, we are we are part of the state of Illinois here, so some of it is, some of right. it is not, some of it is foundation owned. Okay, right. And the hat right. and the gloves right. are. And I, now here's the right. reason. Here's the right. reason That's why foundation owned. Right. Here's the reason why I want to bring this up to the audience. Is I heard about the hat and gloves uh, about a month ago, and I saw that they were maybe coming up for sale in about eighteen right. months. And of course, I immediately thought, "Oh my gosh, we have to raise money to buy those." And then we started to talk about it and think about it. And we thought, no, they need to stay um, with the Lincoln Museum. They need to stay together as a collection and they need to be protected and seen as a collection. But all the time, there is nine point five million left on this uh, private equity loan. That's right. Nine point seven left on this loan. That's right. Yes. So here's the thing. So Al and I were talking over the weekend and and his partner, uh, Michael, from the museum. And uh, there's lots of things that we would like to do. And they have a mission of keeping um, Lincoln's mission going, which is freeing slaves. You know, are you an abolitionist? Uh, And so there's lots of things that we are going to be doing in the future. But I would like to ask if. If you are as crazy about history as I am, that if you would take $5 a week, $5 a month, whatever you can afford, $5 a year, if you would go to 54Lincoln54Lincoln.org uh, and make a donation and become an abolitionist, you could do one time of a, you know, a hundred and five dollars or a thousand and five dollars. I would ask that you would do five dollars a week. That's a cup of coffee, five dollars a week or five dollars a month. And just click on the uh, on the page, make it recurring. And then it will ask you how often you want it to recur. And it will automatically go uh, to to make sure that the the hat and the gloves are restored and kept properly 
and they are they remain in the hands of the Lincoln Presidential Library. There is probably I mean, there's George Washington and there's Abraham Lincoln uh, and there's those two. And, you know, everything Abraham Lincoln did is still happening today. He is probably one of the most important men, important speeches and important deaths in our country's history. Uh, and we would love for you to uh, help on this project, 54lincoln.org, and all of the proceeds uh, will go to, pres- uh, to uh, preserve uh, uh, and pay off this debt so it doesn't go back into the shelf. It hadn't been seen for, you know, about 100 and some years, 125, 130 years. N- hadn't been seen. And if it is goes to the auction block, most likely the same thing will happen again. And it won't be seen for another hundred years. It's got to remain in public view. Alan. No, th- thank you, Glenn. And thank you to your listeners. I, g- I get very emotional about this. Uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, was a good and great man. He saved this nation. He gave us a new birth of freedom. And, and we take our mission here very seriously to not only preserve it, but to perpetuate that legacy. And any help your listeners can give to keep these materials here in the land of Lincoln in our nation that he so loved that he saved, we would be deeply, deeply grateful. Alan, thank you so much. Five, thank you, Glenn. You bet. 54lincoln.org. I will tell you that there's some other things that we're working on that um, I think are really game-changing, especially for the Nazarene Fund and everything else. These guys are so passionate about Lincoln, not just the history. They're passionate about what he was passionate about, stopping slavery. Um, we would really appreciate it. If you could help them out on this project um, and um, get them out from underneath the eight ball, we have 18 months to raise that money uh, and get and, and and get that done. They are also and unconnected to all of this. Uh, they are also going to be doing something really amazing with us um, come this next February. Uh, we have talked about doing something for Black History and for Lincoln's birthday here again at the studios that I think will be just game changing, just game changing. 54lincoln.org Think of that. I think if you're, you know what, I'm going to talk to him and make sure that when we pay it off, there's like a free day. Anybody who was an abolitionist would help because you're really the ones that are going to own that hat and those gloves. Uh, you're going to be the ones who saved it uh, from, from going into the darkness again. 54lincoln.org. Please share it with a friend. All right. 2017, BBB, Better Business Bureau, heard more than 5,000 complaints about alarm companies. Now, that puts home security in the top 10% of the most complained about industries. That's phenomenal to me. The people who are protecting your house, they're the ones that are getting some of the most complaints? That's insane. The reason why it's happening is because there's all kinds of hidden fees there's all kinds of stuff them coming into the house them upselling you stuff that you don't need the prices are crazy you can't you know live under or with the contract it's horrible well there is another way it is simply safe now these people all they do is work to to earn your business every day they don't rely on tricks of the contract and fine there is no contract There's no strings attached, and there's no wiring in your house. So when you want to move, you can move and take it with you if you wanted. And you can can cancel at any time because there's no contract. 
and it's $14.95 a month. It's won all kinds of awards, and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, 10 years running. So they're not like everybody else. Right now, you can get 10% off Simply Safe. You want to protect your home and your family? You want to protect your business? SimplySafeBeck.com. Do it now. SimplySafeBeck.com. Get 10% off SimplySafeBeck.com. Glenn Beck. Bill is talking about tariffs in Michigan. Hello, Bill. You're on the Glenn Beck program. How you doing, Glenn? Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Been listening to you for years, but you struck a nerve today. Okay. All right. So, talking about tariffs and stuff, uh, my grandfather retired out of General Motors. He was probably the last gentleman I know that looked everywhere for a Zenith television because at that time it was still made in America. Yes. Now, go into my parents, my parents' age. They wanted more for less money, didn't care where it was made because they're going to get more for less money. Now, here I am in Flint, Michigan, General Motors is gone, nobody's there to pay taxes, and now my grandkids have to drink bad water. Well, that's, okay, there's the bad water thing is not necessarily connected to tariffs. Um, well, it but, is because, and I, tell you, and I tell you why, because there is no more General Motors. Too many people uh, were trying to get more hmm. for less money. Yeah. So they bought a lot of vehicles out of the country. Well, we're at our all-time right? production highs in the United States. We've you know, increased the economy in an incredible amount. Uh, we've ripped two-thirds of the world out of po- extreme poverty over this time. And yes, there are cases. Certain towns like Flint have had problems. But the overall outcome here is incredibly yeah, positive. We are still the number two manufacturer in the world. And only behind China has, that has four times the amount of people. Yeah. So I, I want to take that, though, Bill, and, and, and answer that bit by bit when we come back. Sarah Gonzalez joins us uh, from uh, the News and Why It Matters, which airs at 5.30 Eastern time, only on the Blaze uh, TV, theblaze.com slash TV. You don't want to miss that. It's a really great conversation with all of us about the news and why each story matters. Uh, but before we get to uh, Sarah, uh, Sarah, I want to I want to refer back to that last caller who said, look, I'm willing to pay more if it keeps jobs here. He's talking about the tariffs. I'm willing to pay more if it keeps jobs here. And you're hearing a lot of that. And I understand that sentiment. Um, however, we have to think it through. So let's fix reason firmly in her seat and question with boldness. If I said to you, look, I'm willing to pay more if it saves the planet, would you be for it? Now, most of the audience would say no. And why? Not because they hate the planet. That's what everybody wants people to believe about the right, that we hate the planet. No, it's that we're not emotional about it. And so we use reason. That's not the best way to save it. You don't just pour government money and take redistributive uh, wealth and take it and pour it into these companies because it doesn't work like that. The best thing is to let those companies use the regular capitalist system and the market will shake out and they will innovate. That's how a, that's how a free market system works. And when we're not emotional about it, we know whenever the government props an industry up, It always fails in the end because that is a socialistic or 
it is it's it's at its extreme either fascistic or communistic idea it's why communism always fails you don't prop up companies that just can't make it and compete so i'm willing to pay more if it keeps jobs here in the long run it won't also it doesn't keep jobs it's it is socialism it has never worked when obama did this with tires those fifty thousand dollar a year jobs cost you the taxpayer because tariffs are really only a tax it's a it's a tax by a different name you go in to buy something instead of saying okay here's your sales tax it's built into the price of the product that's why they love them because you don't feel the tax you're just like china charging us so much no that's the federal government charging that extra price washing machines up 25 percent how long can we do that that money is now going to the government where they take that 25% increase and they ship it to the washing and uh, you know the washing machine companies or whoever to save jobs when obama did this last time with tires those $50,000 a year jobs cost you $900,000 to save it's not worth it it doesn't work it is socialism you also, the last caller also said, I'm willing to pay more. Okay, well, you might be willing to pay more on one thing, maybe washers and dryers. But somebody else isn't willing to pay more for a washer and dryer, 25%. And how many of those things can our economy handle? As your job, your, your pay is not going up. So if it's not going up, how is everybody going to pay for the increase of 25% on all products, 10% on all products. Can you afford a 10% increase across the board with food and services and other products that you want to buy? Wouldn't it be better if the people saved their money and you invested it, if he was concerned about the Detroit area, in companies like Shinola? Shinola is this amazing company that was the first in to try to help turn Detroit around. The idea of low taxes. You have more money and you can create businesses. You can create new ideas. The lower the taxes, the more, the more people with ideas have to be able to start a new business. This, the most important thing you can remember on tariffs, it's a tax and everything you hate about taxes, everything you think is true about how taxes stifle, it's exactly the same with tariffs. Tariffs, however, have started the Great Depression and most depressions. When you start affixing tariffs to things, especially if you have a weak economy, it will shut it down and shut it down hard quickly. And I believe we're headed towards those territories. Yep, and that's great, well put. I mean, because it's a redistribution of tax. That's what it is, redistribution of wealth. Um, and no one made this case more powerfully, uh, the exact case that our caller just made, than Michael Moore. Yes. Michael Moore's first successful documentary was called Roger and Me, and it was exactly the case that our caller just laid out. Exactly the case. Again, you'll see that there are 12 uh, um, assembly plants for GM in the United States 
Most of them no longer in Michigan. However, most of them have moved south Why? to places who have better business environments and away from unions. Correct. However, they still make plenty of GM vehicles Correct. in the United States. Plenty of them. Correct. Uh, it, Detroit it, it, is the mess not because we didn't have tariffs. Detroit is a mess because it has not had a Republican or a small business, you know, a, a, a business minded, small government kind of person since 1960. All right. Uh, Sarah is uh, here. She's filling in for uh, Pat as he is on uh, vacation. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good. I'm good. So what are you watching in the news? What do you what do you find uh, that people are talking about that you think it's important for them to understand? Uh, well, I mean, I know that you guys talked a lot about um, all of the stuff going on at the border. Yeah. So obviously that's number one. And I think, you know, just the disconnect between what the American public is being told is actually happening versus what is happening. That's not to say that what's happening is right or can't be improved upon. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, just children are being kept in dog kennels. Children are being kept in concentration camps. I mean, that's not what this is. And I see, you know, a lot of people just in the general public just so outraged that children could be treated in a way that they're not actually being treated. So minor problem, yeah. Yeah. And when you're right. you're basically lying about the policy the the entire time. There are it's it can be rough, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's but there's like for example there is um uh there is a photo that's being passed around retweeted tens of thousands of times of a child behind bars crying looking maybe for his mommy uh, crying as he's behind he's in a cage. Mm -hmm. And the reality of the situation is the kid is actually in a cage. It's a cage activists put up on a sidewalk so they could show what it would be like if kids were in a cage. But they've zoomed in so far that it doesn't look like it's a kid. It's an activist cage on the sidewalk. That's a protest. It looks like it could be from the government. And people on that side are tweeting it around as if it's the real thing. When it's not, when you zoom back out, it's a bunch of people standing on a sidewalk with an open back that the, that same kid is walking around the cage freely because he's not in the actual cage. They're utilizing him as a piece of political propaganda. Mm -hmm. And that is the sort of stuff that's being, being spread. You know, like these are not bad people. The people who are in these organizations and the government groups that are having to deal with a massive problem that is not of their creation... They're doing the best that they can, but it's it's still, you don't want was, it handled like this. Stu, who was it that in 2014 came to us and was telling us this has got to get into the press? Please talk about this. They were the government workers that were yeah. being forced by the Obama administration yeah. to do it. Yeah, that's right. And they were saying at that time, we're not prepared. We don't have, we don't have any ability of doing to do this we have no experience to do this we are not the people to do this and we're just holding them and they were beside themselves nobody would pay attention i i have i had empathy then i have empathy now i am outraged by the media then i'm outraged by the media now and all we're doing is talking about we didn't want to talk about it then because they didn't want to talk about President Obama. And they do want to talk about it now because all they want to do is pin it on Trump. I'm sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it's the most outrageous for me is seeing these children being used as political pawns by the left. That That's the thing, because if they came out and they said, you know, uh, when Obama was doing it and they said this is wrong, let's come find some kind of common you know, ground here. Let's find a reasonable solution. 
you know, that would have been fine. But the fact that they kept quiet and now all of a sudden it's a big problem for them, you know, treating these children the way it's child abuse, you know, are the are the terms that they're using. And it's just so it makes me infuriated. Can I tell you something? Yes. I believe we're the only ones in the country in national broadcast that have credibility on this issue. Mm -hmm. We cared then we went down there then we tried to expose it then. We thought it was wrong then. We think it's wrong now. The question is, can anyone handle nuance anymore? For instance, very few people, this audience could, but very few people could handle the nuance of me going down to the border, bringing toys and you know things just to make their stay in those cages tolerable, um, and bring food and everything else while saying we have to secure our border. A lot of people didn't like that. They didn't understand the nuance because nobody listens because they take a picture of a cage and a kid and nobody will zoom out. I think we should go down again because we're the only ones with credibility on it and do the same exact thing. But I'm not sure that people have an ability to hear nuance. Do, do we anymore? Can we have adult conversations anymore? Can we? I don't know. Uh, I believe the answer is no. I don't think so. I mean, look, <laughs> for uh, calling out a specific example, Breitbart. Um, Breitbart um, was when you went down to the border was saying like how you were a sellout. How dare you try to make these you know people more bringing soccer balls to the border? You do you remember this whole thing? Yes, I do. What is their current defense of Trump? Oh, the lives of these immigrants aren't that bad. They've got soccer on television. Right. They've got it, they've got video games. They've got PlayStations. These facilities are fine. That's their mm. current defense of Trump because mm. now Trump's their guy, so they say whatever they have to do mm. to get that through. I wonder where they and got back, the soccer balls. I wonder where they got the soccer <laughs> yeah. balls. <laughs> Probably your soccer balls. The same soccer balls they were bashing back then. Again, like the principle is consistent here. It's not about the personality. There's no reason to make it about that. I mean, Trump and his motivation here. Um, the left is going to say he's evil. The right is going to say something else. The bottom line is. Everyone recognizes that this is not an ideal policy. It needs to be fixed long term. The op- the alternative right now, what the media is trying to suggest is instead of uh, separating parent from child, let parent and child leave together to go inside the borders of the United States and do whatever they want until a, a mythical hearing that there's no way they're going to show up to in three months. Sarah, it's let, also ridiculous. Let me ask you this question. Would you support a, a policy? Forget about the southern border. Would you support a policy that allowed uh, children to get onto a plane with their parents or any adults that claimed that they were the parents and go to another country without identification of a passport matching kids with children. Well, I mean, that's just asking for, you know, kidnapping and human trafficking to take place. So, no, I would not be in support of that policy. Do you think the American people would be for that? Uh, I would hope not. Right. Do you think that the left would be for just people leaving the country with kids without any documentation that that's who they belong to? Well, they're telling me that they care about the kids, so I would hope not. Why is it okay that we see people coming from other countries and we say, oh, no documentation. Oh, you're with them. You're fine. That could be human trafficking. We don't know. Again, when people become emotionally attached, 
all reason goes out the window. Thanks, Eric. We'll see you uh, on the radio here in just a few minutes on the Blaze Radio Network at theblaze.com, filling in for Pat, uh, and then again at 530. Yes, thank you. The news and why it matters. Thanks. All right, I want to tell you about uh, Casper. Casper Mattress is so, just so great. Um, it, they let you take uh, the, uh, the mattress out for a 100-day test drive. So this is how confident they are. I mean, because they're not going to be reusing that uh, mattress if somebody else wants a mattress. This is they, you know, they're counting on you loving it as much as as I do. But they also make a guarantee and make it so hassle free. If you don't love this mattress, you can sleep on it for 100 nights. If you don't love it, they're going to come and pick it up. All right. It's going to ship to you free right to your door. It's really small. You open it up. If you don't love it, you don't have to put it back in the box or anything else. They come. But it is a choice. You can go flop around on some mattresses in a store, which won't tell you anything. Or you can have it in your home and try it for 100 nights. In 100 nights, in three weeks, you're going to know. You're either going to love it or you're not. And if you love it like you do mine, you keep it. If you don't, they come and pick it up. Right now, if you use the promo code BECK, B-E-C-K, you're going to save $50 on select mattresses. That's promo code BECK at Casper.com. Save $50 on select mattresses. Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Glenn Beck. Here's a great example on how you can sleep at night when you base everything you do on principles. What once was an attack is now a defense. Breitbart wrote article after article about how bad it was that Glenn Beck was bringing soccer balls and hot meals to people on the border, illegal immigrants on the border. Now, their giant defense of the Trump administration is, and uh, I mean, you could actually quote, the facility is located on a main street in a quiet suburban neighborhood. Uh, There is an outdoor recreation with picnic tables and a small soccer pitch. As you go scroll through the photos, what do you see? But pictures of warm, delicious pizzas and chocolate chip cookies laid out for the illegal immigrants that now it's their job to defend that policy. Before, it was their job to attack you for having a hard and caring. Both times, both times, people, even though they're illegal immigrants, deserve hot food. Even though they're illegal immigrants, deserve to have these little children deserve to have, be, have a little bit of joy in their life, if, especially to be if it treated wasn't their fault. Like human Humans. beings. And then we can talk and hash it out on what the policy is. I am strong on defend the border, mm-hmm. but we must be humane. Glenn Beck, Mercury.